Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. I'm your host Sam Moores and today this is our week 15 recap. We've only got three more of these to go now after today. It's mental. The season's, well, we're in crunch time really and yeah, there's only one place to start this recap and that's Monday Night Football uh, where we saw the Drew Locke-led Seattle Seahawks upset the Philadelphia Eagles. Drew Locke hit Jackson Smith in Jigbo for a 29-yard touchdown before Jalen Hurts threw a second Fourth quarter interception to Julian Love, who sealed the game for Seattle right at the end, um, targeting AJ Brown. Uh, this was a really fun game for run game purists like me. Two hundred seventy-eight yards between the two teams on the ground. Uh, most of those coming from Jalen Hurts, he had eighty-nine yards of rushing, and Kenneth Walker, who um, really is quite polarizing for Seattle. If they can get Kenneth Walker going, normally they win games. I think there's a, I think there's a mad stat where if you if they have sixteen rushes or more with Kenneth Walker, then they more than likely, like 90% of the time, win the football game. So he had, he had 19 last night and they, they, they won. So it bucks that trend. Um, This, yeah, I mean, look, let's start with Philadelphia for me. That, that's what I want to talk about, really. This Eagles team, you know, they started off excellently, to be fair. You know, marching down relatively untouched for a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. But obviously that's the scripted stuff. And when the uh, when the in-game adjustments, in-game adjustments came... The Eagles were, um, yeah, they, they struggled. It was a struggle for them on offense the rest of the game uh, with Seattle probably hanging in there. Um, you know, they weren't the best team until probably the fourth quarter, but they were, they were, they were there and thereabouts the whole time. They, you know, and then finally took the lead of the game at the very end. Um, yeah, just the whole occasion last night was so weird because I was just watching it unfold between about midnight and one o'clock in the morning and we saw all these journalists, whether it was Ari Mirov or Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, uh, tweeting, normally Schefter because it was an ESPN game, but tweeting about the QB situation because we didn't know who was going to start for either team. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts had an illness over the weekend. It was it was unclear whether he would start in this game or not. In fact, Schefter reported on Monday morning that it was actually unlikely that he'd play, but he did suit up. Um, and then Junior Smith, who, I mean, he missed last week with a groin injury, and it looked like he would play, maybe, but... Um, yeah, it was Drew Locke who take who took all the rap the reps in practice all week. Um, but Junior Smith, yeah, he arrived at Lumenfield last night. He was there, um, and he was active for the Seahawks as well. Um, but they decided to wait, announcing the starter until literally Drew Locke appeared under center for Seattle uh, after the Eagles scored a touchdown. Weird, weird stuff, isn't it? Really weird stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, fair play to to to, to Drew Lock. He looked pretty good. He looked. He's actually impressed me both get both of these games. And I think there's a lot of criticism criticism um, of Shane Waldron, the Seahawks offensive coordinator. Um, but I have to say it. Um, the last couple of years, you know, whoever's you know 
you know, pretty much lined up under centre for Seattle has looked comfortable, you know, and that's behind a not great offensive line. Obviously, it's better now because you've got Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross back, but, um, you know, and they just dealt to their superstar receivers. And Locke's been no different. He was, yeah, again, he, he made the throw to to JSN to win the game last night. Really nice throw. It was actually a bit of an over, overthrow, but the adjustment from JSN to uh, to to stretch out and a reach for the touchdown it was uh, was awesome to see. Um, yeah, so Locke actually impressed me last night. And as for Jalen Hurts, mm, I get he's been ill and he has a banged up left knee, but he's not exactly stepped up when the Eagles have needed him in the last three games. Obviously, they've lost all three of them. Um, and they're, you know, they were 10-1, they're now 10-4. They're now the five seed in the NFC. Uh, you know, win this game and they would have, uh, well, there would be a game in a bit over the Cowboys because they have obviously a better record than them, but also they'd have a better conference record. Now that's, that's changed. Um, you know, they're in a really weird spot. I still think they're probably one of the best teams in the league, but it's just so hard to pick who's good because each team has had a, you know, other than the Niners, but even the Niners had their three-game losing streak, but each team has had, a, you know, a couple of games or at least a game where you can point to them and say, oh yeah, who have you beaten? Or you, you really struggled in this game or you struggle at home, you struggle away. There's always there's something really weird about every single team this year so it's so hard to, p- to pin down who's good who's not which is why i'm so excited for the playoffs because literally i think anyone could beat anyone going into it really um but yeah i just don't trust the eagles right now but i you know i'm i may when it comes to the wild card round divisional round they may you know completely blow out a team they're not supposed to beat or something like that you know they may go on the road and beat dallas um or they may you know go on the road and beat beat san fran you know so but <laughs> it's obviously that I don't I don't exactly trust them. I think I probably will pick those two teams to beat them, especially if they're both at home against the Eagles. Um, yeah, this this loss for them as well. This could be pivotal for them because you know, obviously, as I said earlier, their in conference record now is worse than the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys now have the tiebreaker in that sense, and obviously they also have the NFC East tiebreaker as well because they remain a two seed and are currently winning the NFC East. Um, you know, the Cowboys have the harder schedule, but. Uh, Eagles are all over the place at the minute, so you know I don't know if they're going to win all three of their games coming up. Um, you know they've lost three straight. They've changed the defensive coordinator this late in the season from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. It was so weird seeing him on the uh, on, on the sideline last night with his pencil uh, above his ear. Obviously the the, the trademark uh, Patricia uh, pencil. Um, but yeah, no, I think I just yeah, it's just a weird spot. But um, I had a feeling before the game they'd lose, but I just picked them based on talent. I think it's just to ta- you know better talented than Seattle but um yeah the, the I, I, I kind of I was a little bit right I, I, I thought it would be close and it really was close obviously uh the Seahawks ended up winning so I'm sure Owen who was in the podcast on Friday obviously a Seattle fan uh, is very very happy now I've not spoken to him yet uh this morning but um yeah I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he's absolutely buzzing um as for Seattle, well, uh, Pete Carroll now moves to 8-0 against the Eagles, uh, which is really impressive, actually, to be fair, because they've been in two or three Super Bowl windows since he joined in 2010. Obviously, there was the Andy Reid window at the start, and then there was um, the Doug Peterson one, and obviously now there's the Nick Sirianni one. Uh, so to be 8-0 against the Eagles in that time frame is quite actually, quite impressive. Um, obviously, you know, winning this game as well is huge. It puts them 7-7, and uh, you know, they're huge winners in the NFC wildcard race this this weekend because it looked unlikely they'd be in the playoffs um you know had they looked had they lost this before the day or you know at least you know even if um the results went their way and they won so they uh yeah they're they're big winners this weekend but they're, they're not in the playoff positions just yet they're currently the 
eight seed. Uh, but again, they have three very winnable games coming up. Um, and Minnesota and the Rams have harder schedules coming up too. So um, two of those three teams will make it in. If I was to guess, I think it'd be the Rams and the Seahawks. Um, obviously, the Rams are probably the sixth seed because they have swept the Seahawks in division this year, so they will have the tiebreaker over them. But yeah, I'd pick Seattle to make the playoffs um, for sure. And yeah, Philly, just weird feeling around them, but I, I don't think their season's over by any means. I think they'll, I think they'll respond. Uh, but when they'll respond... Um, and you know, look like one of the best teams in the league again. I don't know. And actually, to be fair, as well, they have played you know six of the hardest games in a row, um, recently. So they they went three and three in that stretch. Obviously, playing Dallas twice, playing the Niners, playing Seattle, playing uh, the Dolphins, and playing the Chiefs. That's quite a uh, that's quite a really difficult six game stretch. So uh, or six or seven game stretch, I think it was. So um, yeah, fair play, fair play to them to getting through it. Um, three and three. Uh, but uh, yeah, now it's when they will really kick on, and um, yeah, I think it's just the way they've lost those three games in a row is is what worries me about the Eagles right now. Uh, but we'll move from one NFC East team to another. We'll go on to the Dallas Cowboys now, uh, because well, they're still in the lead of the NFC East, but only just you know had they won this game, it w- they would have been they would have been laughing, um, but. The Bills reminded the AFC heavyweights that they're very much still alive by beating those guys, those Dallas, that Dallas Cowboys, those Dallas Cowboys, the red hot Dallas Cowboys too. Uh, mainly through James Cook, really, he was all over the Cowboys defense. They just couldn't stop him. He had 223 yards in total, 179 yards on the ground, and two touchdowns. Uh, you know their defense held the league leaders in scoring. Um, you know as well and they helped um obviously helped by their defensive touchdowns as well obviously I think Miami have the most offensive points but Cowboys are the league in scoring because of their defensive touchdowns too um but yeah they they held the league leaders in scoring to just 10 points um and 195 yards so well done to Buffalo um they intercepted Dak Prescott once um you know and they forced him into mistakes you know and we'll get into it in a bit but you know he um and they got into they got to him as well they they sat him uh, three times in ten pressures. Um, the the offensive line for the Cowboys was shaky, especially after Zach Martin left the game, which we'll get into in a minute as well. Um, but yeah, as I feared on Friday, the Cowboys they struggled in another big game, not at AT and T Stadium. Yeah, they just they they put the numbers up um, last night on Monday Night Football. The um, the sort of difference between Dak Prescott in Jerry World at home and Dak Prescott away, and it's quite. Uh, quite a difference um yeah away from home he's an average quarterback obviously at home he is by far mvp like yeah and um unfortunately yeah unfortunately yeah for unfortunately for the cowboys yeah in a tough environment they struggled again um they and they have another big game you know in a very very tough home field of environment in miami next week coming up as well so it's not you know this narrative about the cowboys is not going to go away in, unless they win one of these games and i think i don't know if they beat miami it might have to come in the playoffs you never know um but you yeah, know uh for them unfortunately they look like the same old cowboys right now 7-0 at home three and four on the road that's quite a difference there um you know, I thought this may be the Cowboys team that could do it and, you know, even win important road playoff games, which they just haven't done. Uh, but I'm just not as convinced now because they've got absolutely walloped by the Bills. And losing to the Bills, you know, in 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 uh, um, Orchard Park, yeah, that's fine. You know, everyone does that. But the way they lost, the way they were absolutely dominated from start to finish by James Cook um, is just, yeah, is a worrying sign for me. Um yeah, neither quarterback was excellent in this game. It wasn't really a passing game, but Adam was the most influential one, even though Dak had more passing yards. Um, he made the plays 
to sort of put them up when uh, needed as well. Um, and he, he got the game ball, which I thought was weird. It was, he wasn't the best player in this game at all. It was James Cook. So, um, yeah, because you can sort of, his, his face tells it all, by the way, when when, uh, when McDermott gave him the game ball. Um, it was weird, but look, for me, yeah, James Cook was excellent. Um, as for Dak, um, well, he didn't have the MVP game I was hoping for. In fact, he wasn't great at all. Um, only Trevor Simeon had a worse PFF grade this week. Um, he had four turnover worthy plays to the only one big-time throw. Um, he was 30th in yards per attempt, two, only 3.9 yards. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately for him, I mean, he's now no longer the favourite for MVP, which obviously after a performance like that in a big spot um, is quite, um, you know, quite justified uh but that's the thing with the mvp race this year no qb has had one of those games really no one's really had a i'm me performance or no one's really stood you know up a lot you know stood up very high above the rest of the league it's yeah it's just you know you know we'll get into it later but for me i'm not exactly comfortable with awarding this mvp to a qb because no qb stood out you know, far and away is the best callback this season. It's not. It's not happened. No one's been dominant this year. Um, you know, I think either way, the way this year is going, whoever wins MVP, you know, unless it's um, a skill position player, which I don't think it will be at this point, um, it's going to have an asterisk next to it, I think. But we'll get into that with uh, with, with Purdy later. Uh, anyway, the Bills. They're now eight and six. They have three winnable games coming up. Um, and a third straight AFC's title isn't exactly impossible. Um, you know, it's simple. Win all three and they're in the playoffs. Win all three and Miami lose to one of Dallas or Baltimore, they'll win the NFC East. So, sorry, the AFC East. Um, yeah. You know, it, like, you're, honestly, if you're if you're a Buffalo fan, you're a Cowboys and Ravens uh, fan the next two weeks because if Miami, Miami win those two games, they clinch the AFC East even before they play Buffalo in Week 18. If they drop one of them, um, yeah, if they drop one of those games, then that Week 18 game in Miami is for the AFC's title. And I'm pretty sure if I was betting now, either that or a um, you know an AFC South game will be flexed out to the Sunday night game on NBC, if I was to guess right now, because those two um, races look like they're going to come down to the, the absolute uh, wire. Um, you know, I think they'll definitely get in, whether they have a home game or not. Obviously, by winning the division is a different story. Um, you know, if they're now ten and four Cowboys beat Miami next week, then Buffalo will be very confident. Um, and then, yeah, it's you know for Dallas, obviously that game for them is massive because after this game they've got a big arrow down. You know, on them obviously they'll be falling down people's power rankings after this game, I think, and they're still searching for that signature away win that they've been searching for for ages, especially the last two years. Uh, and they go in again, they go into another team with a big home field advantage, the Heat, the Sun in Miami. Um, yeah, and they're going to need Zach Martin, who obviously went out of this game with a quad injury. Um, they're going to need him in that game uh, against Miami because that Miami Dolphins interior offensive, uh, sorry, in, interior defensive line uh, is very good. Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer have been two of the best. They've been playing at an all-pro level, both of them. Um, they're both going to get big goals. Sealer's already got his contract extension. Christian Wilkins is going to get a contract extension or get a very, very big money move in free agency this year. So... Um, yeah, both of them have been excellent and uh, they absolutely obliterated the centre of the Jets' offensive line um, on Sunday. So, yeah, the Cowboys needs that Martin because after he went out of the game right at the start, they struggled um, and it might have been another reason why they went on to lose the game because they just got absolutely obliterated through the centre of that offensive line. Um, but, you know, Dallas have to win next week against Miami. Buffalo went out. They've got a very, very good chance at getting the playoffs. 
uh, and you know, well, there there are Cowboys and Ravens fans the rest of the season. Okay, we'll go over to Sunday Night Football now, where the Ravens beat the Jaguars twenty-three to seven, and they remain the one seed uh, with a win over fellow AFC playoff contenders Jacksonville. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked great again, especially on the ground. He had ninety-seven of the two hundred and fifty-one rushing yards that controlled the clock for the Ravens in this one, uh, and most of those yards came in the second half as well. I think they had two hundred rushing yards in the second half. Um, Isaiah likely continued to step up into the uh, Mark Andrews-sized um, hole for the Ravens, um, two of another seven. 70 yards and a touchdown on five receptions. Um, you know, backing up the last few weeks, they've been very, very good. Uh, but it's not the Ravens I want to talk about right away. It's the Jags because they're going to be kicking themselves now. Because not only did they have opportunity to score plenty more points than seven, and they quite frankly could have won this game. It also sounds like they may be about Trevor Lawrence next week. After the game, Doug Peterson said that he is now in concussion protocol after a big hit to the head in the fourth quarter. They now have lost three straight and as and that sort of created a fun scenario for them in AFC South to end of the year because after Houston and Indianapolis won this week, any of those three teams can still win it. They're all at eight and five. Um sorry, yeah, eight eight and five, eight and six. Eight and eight and they're all eight and six. Um But yeah, the Jags they really should have been leading at half time. They were the better team in the first half, certainly. But Brandon McManus missed two field goals. Trevor Lawrence fumbled in Baltimore Territory just outside the red zone. And they got the ball to the five-yard line with 13 seconds left, ran a play, but couldn't get the pass out of um, bounds. So they ran the clock down with no points scored, and they were down 10-0 at halftime. They could have been two two scores up, at least one score up in the um, yeah in, <laughs> in the first half, and they didn't score a single point. And then from then, the Ravens went on and controlled the clock, uh, scored 10 points uh, to put Jacksonville away in the fourth quarter. Um, and yeah, they, they went on to win the game. Um, I love both these defences, both played well, uh, but one offence took advantage of their opportunity to score the game, one took advantage and controlled the clock, the other one didn't. Um, yeah, I still don't trust Baltimore as a Super Bowl contender yet, but I think for me, they probably are the best team in the AFC right now, and I don't trust any team in the AFC right now, to be honest with you, just because every team's had their their lows this season um so yeah it's gonna be a very interesting race um for that one seed and seeing who's gonna get home for the advantage coming up um but they are starting to earn my trust right ahead of their big day a big game on christmas day next week against uh the niners obviously the monday night game on christmas day uh that's gonna be awesome i can't wait to watch that it's obviously it's the afc number one seed versus the nfc one number one seed the super bowl preview um a fun treat um, on Christmas Day as well, obviously. A nice end to Christmas Day. Obviously, it'd be probably Boxing Day morning here in the UK. But yeah, that's that, the schedule makers uh, really have uh, <laughs> given us a good game there. And obviously, the Christmas ones, you can't flex out either. So uh, yeah, they, they really did uh, they really did uh, predict the future well. Um, obviously, yeah, big game for both teams too there. Um, and I'm excited to see their defence against the... Um, the San Francisco offense as well. I think that's gonna be an awesome battle, and we'll talk about that on Friday with the with the uh, preview pod. But yeah, I'm I'm so excited for that. Unfortunately for the Ravens, it, it looks like they're gonna be without uh, the impressive r- rookie running back Keaton Mitchell for that game because he, he's probably out for the season with a torn ACL um, suffered in this game. Unfortunately, um, and then we'll finish with the Jags because well, like the division is still in their hands. They still lead. The division, obviously, the the, uh, the the four seed right now as well in the AFC, um, and they've got three winnable games coming up. You, you'd like to think they're probably still favourites, but with uncertainty around Lawrence's availability, it may be down to CJ Befford to beat the Bucks um, and keep the AFC South lead alive next week. 
Um, we'll see what happens in the week. We'll update you with, with Lawrence on Friday, but really we won't know about him until Saturday um, afternoon, really, if he's going to play. Um, as for um, injuries, uh, they also lost Zay Jones in this one, adding to Christian Kirk's groin injury. Obviously, he's missing time as well. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for for the Jags, they're quite banged up going into the rest of the season. So, may, honestly, uh, if I was to guess who wins the division now, I'm... I'd probably say the Texans are the most informed team, obviously. If they can get Stroud back really quickly. If they can get Nicky Collins back really quickly. I think they'll, I'll put them as favourites. But, yeah, honestly, I don't know. We might we might see the uh, the Gardner Minchie-led Indianapolis Colts play a home playoff game. You never know. But I think it's going to be a really fun race to watch the rest of the season. Right, we'll move, we'll move over from the AFC to the NFC now. Uh, from the AFC South to the NFC South and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Baker Mayfield became the first opposing quarterback to ever post a perfect passer rating at Lambeau field as the Bucks retained the lead of the NFC South with a win over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Mayfield completed 22 of 28 passes for 381 yards and four touchdowns on Joe Barry's defense on the way to become PFF's highest graded quarterback of the week uh, with 50% of dropbacks anyway. Um, he wasn't exactly well protected either. You know, he played excellently under pressure, which is huge for Baker because he, you know, in, in Cleveland that's what he struggled with. Um, he doesn't normally play great under pressure. Um, he's really revived his career this season, which I'm loving. I'm a huge Baker fan, and um, yeah, I think I think he's going to stay in Tampa next season with how good he's played this year. Uh, Chris Goldwyn did suit up for the Bucks too. He was um touch and go coming into this one with a neck injury. He didn't practice um all week, but wow, he had a day catching ten balls from Mayfield for 155 yards. Um, yeah, what what a day from him, and yeah, he completed. Uh, Mike Evans got involved in there as well, as well as a few more receivers. Um, yeah, it's a perfect day for Mayfield as well, just distributing the ball, and um, yeah, Rashad White looked really good as well. Uh, um, for them as well. Right on to Green Bay. Well, they're now at six and eight, and the playoff hopes are probably a lot a lot slimmer now after this loss. You know, they probably have to win out um to get in the playoffs. I think now. Maybe lose once more but and hope they can get in 8 and 9. But for them, yeah, the playoff hopes are probably quite slim now. Uh, and that's because of Joe Barry's defence. I mentioned it earlier. They, they've they been horrific this, this last couple of weeks. Um, especially in coverage. Uh, and they lost the Packers their second straight game. Um, you know, it was on the defence for the second straight game. Uh, first Tommy DeVito on Monday night and then Baker Mayfield this uh, Sunday. Their uh, team coverage grade by PFF for this game was 29.3. Uh, the lowest number from a game by any team in the past five seasons. Uh, so I think that pretty much shows how bad the Packers were uh, on defence in this game. Um, and since that stat came out that Matt LaFleur was 16-0 in December, they're now 0-2 and are back playing really poor football again like they were at the start of the year. So um, you know, they didn't lose this game with his offence. I thought they actually looked quite good on offence. I thought uh, Jordan Love had some nice throws again. Uh, but yeah, that stat's probably more because of Aaron Rodgers than, than Matt LaFleur, I'd say. Um, you know, one and two without Aaron Rodgers in December is a bit different. Uh, they now, uh, yeah, they now sort of, oh, they're, they're on the outside looking in, um, unfortunately for them. Uh, but they have got winnable games coming up, so we'll see what happens with them. Um, as for Tampa Bay, they now have won three straight and are one of the most informed teams uh, in the league going into the final three weeks of the season. And they've got uh, division games coming up as well. They've got some huge division games too. So, um, yeah, for them... You know, the NFC South is in their hands, uh, and I think right now I'd probably pick them to do it as well. Um, the Packers, on the other hand, are on the outside looking in, in as, I said, as I just said, and results haven't exactly gone their way either. They've got three huge conference games, two division games coming up um, as well. Win those games, and they're in, you know, win, win both division games, they might be in as well. Um, but yeah, hopefully for them, Jaden Reed's toe injury doesn't really keep them out for very long. 
Um, but no, yeah, Tampa looked great. Green Bay, unfortunately. Yeah, um, uh, they're, they're, again, they're another team that are trending down quite a bit after Sunday's results. Okay, we'll go over to back to over to the AFC South now. All AFC South game between the, the Texans and the Titans, uh, where Kaimi Fairbairn came up big in his return for Houston, kicking a fifty-four yard game-winning field goal in overtime as time expires. Um, yeah, it was a huge win for them that was putting them closer to, uh, towards a first uh, postseason berth since two thousand and nineteen. Um, and this was in the absence of CJ Stroud, Nicky Collins, and Will Anderson too. Uh, the Texans looked to have won this game just before the. Um, just before the field goal, actually, for a Devin Singletary 34-yard rushing touchdown, uh, which is a really cool way to end it because they just gave, they just fed Singletary the entirety of that drive in overtime. It was just Singletary pass, a Singletary run with Singletary. Um, and, yeah, he, he he went in for a score, but it was brought back for a holding uh, call with, th- with just 43 seconds left in overtime. Um, and, yeah, the, um, <laughs> the Case Keenum led Texans uh, managed to get it done uh, with that field goal from Fairbairn. Um, otherwise, it would have been a tie, our first tie of the year. Um, but no, Fairbairn made the kick. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, they actually went for Keith Keenan rather than Davis Mills as a replacement for Stroud, who obviously was out of a, concu- of a concussion. Um, yeah, Keenan wasn't great, but I think I get why they did it. Obviously, a veteran presence probably helped them late in the game, searching for a playoff um, you know, berth as well. And he bounced back from his pick six at the start of the game as well. Um, the Titans were up 13-3 at the half, but only scored three points in the rest of the game. Um, and I'm actually quite surprised they dropped this game, but they just didn't look great in the second half at all. Um, and yeah, Houston completely took away their run game. They made Derek Henry look useless, um, which is a really, really impressive feat. Uh, I thought the Titans' defense played well, actually, and I thought Will Levis was impressive again, despite the box score. You know, um, he didn't have a great box score, but he's really impressing me. Uh, but without the run game, they're not the same team in and around the red zone, especially. They just couldn't score points. They couldn't really even get to the red zone either. So um, yeah, unfortunately for the Tennessee, they dropped this game. But look, the season's over. I think it's just about learning what will leave us is and what you're going to have in future years um and as for houston now they're not only have a good chance at a return to the playoffs but they also have a chance at the division of course i mentioned it earlier we've got two division games coming up as well including the colts in week 18 which could be for the division you never know so um yeah uh, it could be a, a fun team to watch um the texans coming up and they'll be they'll have quite a few um either nationally televised or quite you know quite big um uh chunks of the country given to Texans games the rest of the year I think just because their games are each and every one of their games are crucial okay we'll go back over to the NFC South now with uh with the Falcons going into Carolina but unfortunately dropping another game um in front of a really tiny crowd the Carolina Panthers shot their division rival Atlanta Falcons winning their second game of the season with Eddie Pinheiro scoring a winning field goal as time expired. Uh, yeah, this game was played in the storm. Hardly anyone turned up, really. The crowd hasn't been released yet, but I'd be shocked if it's above 10,000, maybe even 5,000, uh, which is mental. There's a, there's a chance that you could have got a bigger crowd in the National League South watching Yeovil Town than watching the Carolina Panthers this week, which is, um, you know, uh, this season, sorry, of the Yeovil, but, uh, you know, which is just mental. Um, it wasn't pretty at all, this game. Typical 9-7 rain game. You know, only added to the dysfunction of both teams as well, because both teams are very dysfunctional. And again, the fact that the Falcons have been in the playoffs with their off, uh, you know, in the playoff position with their offense this year is just horrific. I don't know how it's happened. Um, yeah, the Panthers won this game through their defense, which has kind of impressed me lately, and not turning the ball over offensively. And also because of Bryce Young, uh, the drive at the very end of the game from Bryce Young set up the field goal, and it was very nice too. He, you know, a nice two minute drive from him. Um, and it's a good bit of film to take into next year as well. It's the best he's looked all year, um, actually, in this game. The Falcons turned the ball over twice in the second half, um, which obviously ha- helped um, keep 
Um, they're the Panthers in this game. Uh, Desmond Ridder threw a red interception in the fourth quarter, and Bijan Robinson had a fumble before that as well. Um, you know, and that, that's only some of their horrific numbers in offense. Uh, Bijan Robinson had seven carries for 11 yards. Carl Pitts, three catches for 37 yards. Drake London, two catches for 24 yards. And it was Johnny Smith who led the receivers again, which pretty much says it all. Um, uh, and then the only TD of the game came from Cordero Patterson, who also deserves more than than his current usage. Um, you know, it's just... I've been saying it most of this year. I'd be shocked if Arthur Smith remains as head coach next week, uh, let alone next year for hit for me. I think you know he looks like he may flip back to Heineke again next week too, just to save his job. But yeah, no, maybe potentially. But uh, yeah, just get him gone, Atlanta. It's just not worked. The whole the whole project you've had over the last two three years just hasn't worked. So yeah, unfortunately for him, for me, I'd just say get him gone. So he's had three years, um, and yeah, they've. They've just been sat in the same spot again and again and again. No matter how many offensive players you add to this team, they're still the same Falcons they were when Matt Ryan was caught back, unfortunately. Um, as for, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you know, we're carrying on with the Falcons first. They've, obviously, they've still got a chance at the division as well. Um, but, you know, I doubt they've got a shot at the wild card anymore at 6 and 8. Um, and they could be out of the uh, division race even before the Week 18 game against New Orleans anyway. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for the Falcons, they have to win next week. If not, they're probably out of the playoffs. And, um, yeah, Arthur Smith is probably fired if they uh, if they lose next week. And then as for the Panthers, they'll be encouraged by what they saw from Bryce. Obviously, it was actually his best PFF grade um, of the year. And Bob was 10 points as well. He was excellent in this one, I thought. Um, obviously, in the rain as well, which is, you know, for a small quarterback, small hands, that's quite, that's quite a, a big deal for him. Um, and he was in the top 10 QBs this week too. So that's something to take into next year for him, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, impressive stuff for the Panthers. And the Falcons really, unfortunately, are trending down too. Right, we'll go over to Cleveland, who... Unfortunately, inflicted the Bears with another heartbreaking loss with Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper leading the Browns to a comeback win. Uh, the Browns overcame a two-score deficit to win, the, win this one and take the lead with 32 seconds to go. But the Bears almost smashed, almost smashed, almost snatched a win back on the final play of the game with a Hail Mary that was intercepted by Anthony Bell off of Darnell Mooney's hands and feet. It was really weird. This a really weird play. It probably should have been caught by Mooney, and obviously that would have been given the Bears. Um, the sixth one of the year and maybe put them in with a chance at the playoffs but unfortunately with this loss they're out of it um, yeah the Browns defence a big factor in that they were excellent in this one they kept this team in it until late because their offence just wasn't moving in the first half especially uh, and well until the fourth quarter really Joe Flacco had three interceptions in this game and it was much closer than it should have been you know the Bears blew this game they really did you know both of their touchdowns came after Flacco interceptions a throw at Edmonds pick six and Eddie Jackson almost had another one he was brought down near the goal line um, and that, that drive was finished off by Fields um, yeah they only scored three points of every other possession of, every other possession of the football they had so um, they couldn't score points obviously the Browns defence really limited them and they also dropped two touchdowns as well so yeah, could have been a different story for the Bears but unfortunately yeah they just didn't execute very well um, yeah, they were up 17-7 at the start of the fourth quarter but Fields was tripped them fourth and one um, you know, had they made it first down, they would have won the game, I think. Um, but unfortunately, they turned the ball over there, and the game just changed after that, and all the momentum swung Cleveland's way. Um, Flacco hit Marquis Goldwyn for a 57-yard uh, grab on the very next play, 
which then set up a field goal to make it a one-score game uh, before Amari Cooper went in for a TD on the next drive. Um, and then they took, a, uh, they took the lead by hitting a field goal uh, through Dustin Hopkins with 32 seconds to go, and the rest was history. Um, you know, beat Houston next week, and Cleveland are at 10 wins, and basically they're in the playoffs. Um, you know, their defense can really cause problems and maybe win a playoff game, I think, but I don't think they can go any further than that, unfortunately. Uh, they maybe get to the divisional round, but yeah, unfortunately, I think the injuries are, uh, are sort of preventing this Browns team from being one of the best in the league. But I really hope they do get to play the Ravens in, in the playoffs because that'd be fun. Obviously, Joe Flacco going into Baltimore for a playoff game. <laughs> that'd be really fun to watch. Um, and then, yeah, as for the Bears, they'll probably be scratching their heads after this one. Uh, and, you know, I hope this isn't a game that helps them decide to move on, move on from Justin Fields because I really like Fields. And um, I wouldn't say it's his fault they lost this game. I think it's just more of a really bad coach team. And obviously, they're very low on talent too. And the Browns are quite a good coach team with a very tight defence. So that, that was probably a difference in this one, um, unfortunately for them. Right, so we'll go over to the AFC East, which is now very tasty, even with the Dolphins winning 30 to nothing over the Jets uh, to move to 10 and 4 in the year. Uh, no Tyreek, no problem for Miami as Tua sung over lower, and the Miami Dolphins got back to winning ways, sweeping the Jets. Uh, Tua completed passes to eight different receivers and really impressed me with a banged up offensive line, too, and missing obviously his best weapon in Tyreek Hill. Um, Jalen Waddle saw an increase in targets and really stepped up actually with eight goals for 442 yards and a touchdown, um, and that ball from Tua on a 60 yard to Waddle for a touchdown was just absolutely perfect, too awesome from him uh, Raheem Mostert scored his 19th and 20th touchdowns of the season a Miami Dolphins record um, and the, their defence which actually let the team down in the loss of the Titans on Monday night last week completely shut down the Jets offence limiting them to 103 yards and only 4 yards in the first half and they forced 4 turnovers too and they got to the quarterback whoever it was whether it was Zach Wilson or Trevor Simeon 6 times too um, yeah and it was very important they won this too because although, although they'll be kicking themselves um, because of how they lost on Monday Night Football, you know, and had they won that game, they would have won the division um, on Sunday uh, against the Jets. You know, now it's complicated. They've still got 70% chance of winning the division, but Buffalo aren't going away. You know, the Jets' defence um, couldn't really save um, the Jets in this one. Um, the offence very bad, um, but for the Jets, you know, just sticking with the ASEs, obviously they're out of it, they're out of the playoffs too, you know, um, and you know, <laughs> I don't know what happens to quarterback the rest of this year with them because, uh, obviously they both had Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon in this game. Zach Wilson took a hit to the head early in the first half, he then got taken out at the end of the first half. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, yeah, for them, Trevor Simeon came in, he turned the ball over, and he wasn't great either. Um, you know, and because of that, now they've lost this, I'll be shocked if Aaron Rodgers plays this year, even though he's meant to be activated off IR this week by Wednesday. I don't think it happens, unfortunately, because there's no point There's no point in putting a band at Rodgers out there to play against a team that was literally playing for nothing. So um, so play for a team that was literally playing for nothing. So, yeah, that's unfortunately for them. Um, but, you know, as of Miami, slipping back to them, yeah, they now obviously, the chances of the division, they're still favourites, but they have to win against Dallas this week. They have to. You know, they now go into the who have you beaten bowl with the Cowboys. You know, obviously both those teams have faced a lot of criticism. Obviously, they've they both got 10 wins. They're both 10 and 4, but they've not really beaten anyone big. You know, it's huge for them because it's, it's huge. Just to, if win this one, gives them all the confidence going into Baltimore, win that one, then you basically secure the one seed and um, division um, going into that Buffalo game where you can just um, relax for that one going into um, the postseason. Lose one of these games and then you're... Um, <laughs> you're not only playing for the one seed 
in week 18. You're also playing for the division with Buffalo, which, again, just, just seems absolutely insane. Yeah, lose, lose to the Cowboys, beat the Ravens. Um, yeah, then that's just, you know, you'll, you'll be the one seed. Um, but you'll... Um, National, no, you won't. Yeah, actually, that's assuming the Ravens lose to the Niners as well. But yeah, no, it's just... Yeah, any, you know, any of like four teams could be the one seed in the AFC um <laughs> going in uh to yeah going into week 18 or you know and, and obviously Arthur as well it's just mental it's just mental to think how close this got and yeah Buffalo are gonna be very very scary um scary to be honest with you um obviously the Dolphins are also you know they're gonna be in a big spot as well if they're gonna win games now is the time you know they're probably gonna have three games nationally televised you know a huge three weeks coming up coming up for them and then and hopefully Tyreek Hill's back for that obviously as well um Two thousand yards is still possible, but he's gonna to have to have a big game in one of those three games. Um, either way, I think he should be MVP because uh, he's just been, he's been the best player in the league this season. Um, but yeah, if he gets two thousand yards, obviously then he will be. I think he will be MVP. But if he doesn't, then unfortunately, I don't think he will be. But I think he should be. So, uh, but you know, Miami obviously had to win this one, but they're probably kicking themselves that so they've not got the division wrapped up and they've now got three very tough games coming up. Right, we'll stick in the AFC East and we'll go to New England, who unfortunately. Lost to the Chiefs, but it did make it difficult for them, especially on defence. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs got back to winning ways at Foxborough. Uh, the Patriots start the game well. Um, they, they actually would be close and, you know, and in this game throughout it. But uh, a costly Bay Zappi interception gave all the momentum back to the Chiefs and they uh, they won by two scores in the end. Um, yeah, most of the time it was a one-score game, but then two plays later, Clyde Edwards-Elair caught a pass from Mahomes, his second pass and touchdown of the day, um, and that pretty much won the game for the Chiefs. They weren't impressive, but they got it done, and that's the main thing. They still have a shot of the one seed too, especially of how easy their schedule is compared to Miami and Baltimore's. Um, but right now, they don't scare me heading into the postseason. Um, which is weird with the Chiefs. Um, you know, hopefully they get Isaiah Pacheco back quickly as well. Because um, other than Mahomes, he's their real difference maker on offense. I mean, you know, I like Rasheed Rice, but obviously he's a rookie. Um, yeah, I think you know Pacheco is their their real difference maker on offense. So hopefully they can get him back quickly. Um, and then yeah, as for the Patriots, I think they played really hard for Bill Belichick, of course. But you know, especially with the news that came out this week that Belichick will probably uh, part ways with the Patriots after the season. Um, I thought they looked better on offense too against a very good Chiefs defense, so that actually impressed me. Uh, but the reason they're in this place in the first place is because they drafted poorly. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, this wasn't the Belichick versus Andrew Reid game we hoped for preseason. But thank God it was flexed out on Monday Night Football because that would have been a horrific Monday Night game compared to the one we actually got. Um, yeah, yeah, in um, in in Seattle last night. Okay, uh, three more games to finish up. We'll start. Um, well, all NFC-based games as well. And um, we'll start with San Francisco, who sealed their second straight NFC West title for win over the Cardinals. MV Purdy, uh, he's about to be an MVP favourite now after a four-touchdown game, and it might be actually the best game I've seen him play. So fair play to Brock Purdy. His his, po- his pocket presence was just excellent. It was awesome. You know, he was under pressure a lot, and he didn't get sacked once. His movement was just, you know, he was really fluid. I, I loved uh, watching Purdy move in and out of the pocket in this one, yeah, and just to not get sacked once. I don't, the amount of pressure he faced was just, just impressive too. Um, you know, as I predicted on Friday, the Cardinals did come to play, and they kept this one competitive throughout, but uh, their, tu- their two turnovers uh, were actually the difference in this one. The Niners scored off those, t- off those two turnovers, uh, and obviously one of them being a pick six to Javarius Ward too. Um, the Niners were absolutely outstanding, though. Um, Ines Dallas and the Cowboys, 
sorry, Dallas, unless Dallas and Philly show me something, otherwise I think they're the Super Bowl favourites for sure. They're the best team in the league too, in my opinion. Um, and in the AFC, I have no clue who gets there. So I'd probably say that for me, yeah, I think if I was pit now, they win the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, of course, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel were a factor again. Of course they were. They were wide open for a lot of it again, or they made huge plays. But give it to Brock Purdy, he was excellent in this game. You know, I can't critique that performance. You know, he's not been the best player in football. Best QB, yes. And that's a dilemma, isn't it, really, with the MVP? Because the last couple of winners, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar, Tom Brady, they, they're the most recent winners of the award, and all of them were literally on another level compared to everybody else. Purdy's not been to that level this year. Um, you know, and that's the thing, really. It's just like... What what happens to the MVP? Do you go to a skill player and position player? Obviously, McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill have missed games. Tyreek Hill have more, but those two players have been so impactful to their teams. Obviously, if both of those players get the one seed as well, which is possible, if both of those teams get the one seed, then maybe they do give it to skill position players. But um, yeah, I like Purdy. I, I think he's a, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. But I think I'd have at least ten QBs over him, um, and that's the thing, really. I think this year. He may have been the best quarterback, but he's not been the most valuable player in football, and that's that's where I'm torn. It's just like, yeah, I just I don't know. I think there's been better players than him. He's not had a standout year like the other QBs, but he has been the best quarterback this year, and that's that's the problem, isn't it? Is yeah, it's just so it's so weird. Um, that being said, I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays against the Ravens, um, and then number one ranked defense uh, next week on Christmas Day, of course. The Christmas Day Monday night game is gonna be awesome to watch. It should be so fun. I just can't wait to watch that game, really. I just can't wait. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe he wins MVP with a great game against that Ravens number one-ranked defence. Or maybe McCaffrey steals it or something happens. But, yeah, either way, fair play to Brock Purdy. An awesome game for him. Um, and that's why, right now, he is the best QB in football and will probably win MVP. Uh, okay, we'll stay in the uh, NFC West and the Rams who moved into playoff position with a win over the Commanders and obviously the Packers lost to Tampa Bay as well um, it wasn't quite the shootout I hoped it to be but uh, the Commanders did make it interesting at the end in a game that the Rams were firmly in control of from start to finish uh, they were up three scores at half time with, with Stafford throwing a 62 yard touchdown to a literal wide open Cooper Cup there was nobody within 20 yards of him um, but after a fourth quarter interception Sam Howell was pulled for Jacoby Brissett who just gave the Commanders an instant boost. It was mental that they almost you know, won this game. Um, he, he combined with Terry McCormick for a touchdown um, and a deep shot, uh, and it was quickly a one-score game just after the two-minute warning, which is just, just, just mental to, to see that they were obviously were in a, uh, a three-score hole um, at one point in this game. Yeah, Brissett came in, turned it around, um, and they ended up being PFF's highest-graded QB um, in a short time of it of the week as well. Um, obviously, he didn't play 50% of the snaps, but he, it, it, uh, total grade, he was the highest-graded QB of the week. Um, yeah, weird situation, obviously. I don't really like it. I'd rather see, in this, I'd rather see in, in, essentially a rookie in Sam Howell learn these experiences you know, now and you know, try and put his team back in the game. You know, Ben Money's in a horrific situation and you're at the playoffs anyway. I don't really get putting in Jacoby Brissett to try and give you a chance to win this game. I just don't get it. You know, the Rams are a playoff team. You're not a playoff team. I don't really get what Robin Vera's thinking there. He's already announced that somehow we'll be starting against the Jets in New York next week after the game, um, which just makes it even weirder. Like, why why pull him? I just don't get it. Especially while I think Howell is probably the future of that franchise right now. I think he, you know, they're 
give him a good offensive line, I think he'll be a good quarterback, and that's the thing. Uh, he just gets absolutely like blown up every single week. Um, but yeah, anyway, onto the Rams. Cooper Cup pretty much literally slapped the onside kick out of bounds, and he won the game for the Rams. And he literally was just like that, boom, slapped <laughs> out of bounds. Um, yeah, and they obviously got the first time to ice the game. Um, and yeah, send him into the playoff position. Um, and if they do get the playoffs, I think Sean McVay is probably a serious contender for coach of the year. I think, yeah, if they do get the sixth seed, currently the seven, they're probably like like likely to have a game in Detroit. Um, obviously that'd be fun. Stafford against Goff, um, in a playoff game would, would be awesome. Um, uh, but they do have a pretty tough schedule coming up too. So I do hope they get there. But whether they do actually get there or not. Uh, is another story. I'd much rather have the Rams and the Seahawks and the Vikings and the Packers and the playoffs, or the you know the Vikings and the Saints and the playoffs. If I'm being honest, because, um, yeah, the Rams and Seahawks are so good to watch. Um, you know, and they're well coached football teams that are playing. You know, that they play good football and can probably beat anyone. They've just had down points at this season. Um, in this season, whereas I think I feel like the Saints or the Vikings are probably get blown out by a big team in the playoffs. Unfortunately for them, um, and then we'll go on to the Saints. Obviously, they are, uh, they are well, they're alive after winning winning two straight. They know they've now moved back into the NFC South. Um, to the win over the Giants, which is going to finish finish off this podcast, and obviously uh, the Falcons losing as well. Uh, they're only out of the World Cup places on a tiebreaker as well, so they're getting their wins at the right time. Um, you know the offense is actually quite good in the second half, especially without Chris Alave, which is something they can take into the rest of the year. But how many times have I said this about the Saints? How many times have I said it this year that they are? They look good on offense, and then they go and drop six points the next game. It's they're so inconsistent on offense. I feel sorry for Dennis Allen as well because he's probably going to get fired for something that's not his fault. It's not his fault the offense isn't flowing. His defense is playing very, very well. It has done all seasons. So I just feel so sorry for him, but unfortunately, they're probably going to move on from everyone in that organization. Him, Pete Carmichael, probably Darren Rizzi as well. Maybe potentially, uh, maybe move on from all coordinators. Just move on from the Sean Payton era because obviously all three of those guys were there with Sean Payton as well. Um, Bieno, obviously, Allen's defense is great again. Seven sacks, really got to Dominic DeVito. Um, they also injured him. He went out of a big hit to the head. Um, and the Giants weren't great, weren't great at all after that, even though he did come back into the game. Um, there were two or 16 on third down, and they didn't reach the red zone once either, which is just mental. Um, and yeah, after he came back in, it didn't, didn't make any, any difference. They were shut out in the second half. And yeah, the Saints defense stepped up and gave him the win. But at least we saw Jamie Gillen kick a 40-yard field goal. Obviously, the Scottish Hammer, the, the Giants punter, after, after uh, uh, Randy Bullock made the first field goal, he got injured. So he stepped in for an uh, injured Randy Bullock and he made a 40-yard field goal, which some kickers don't miss. So for a, sorry, some kickers don't make. So for a, for a, you know, for a British punter, to make that kick was um, <laughs> was awesome to see on Red Zone uh, on, uh, on Sunday night. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the Giants, really. Obviously, the season's probably unfortunately over now. Uh, we'll see what they do next year. I don't think Dable goes, but they probably will want a new quarterback. GM-wise, might look to move on from the GM too because his picks haven't been great compared to, you know, Gettleman's picks, who actually probably all panned out quite good. Um, other than maybe Daniel Jones. But yeah, I think Gettleman's actually probably looking at it now thinking, well, look at me. Uh, you know, most of these players, most of these good players on this team are because of me. You know, Dix Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, etc. Um, yeah, so I think maybe he, he might have a... Um, but I have a weird feeling about that. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens to the Giants. Um, and then as for the Saints, we saw Jimmy Graham catch another TD, um, his third game in a row with one as well. And he's actually becoming a good red zone target for a team that before um, they started, before they signed him, 
they were really, really struggling in the red zone. Um, so, yeah, he's been a good target for a team that has really struggled in the red zone. So, um, hopefully we can see Jimmy Graham catch more touchdowns as he's, as the season comes to a close. Um, you know, they've got a tough schedule coming up. Uh, they've got the Red Hot Rams followed by two games that will decide the NFC South against the Bucks and the Falcons. So, it's time to see who the Saints are. And that's a good note to finish the podcast on. That has been your Week 15 recap. I didn't bother going into the Saturday games because, again, they're like four days ago now. Obviously, you will watch them by now and... And I think the teams that were expected to win won those games as well. So there's nothing really um, too much to talk about in uh, coming away from those. But fair play to the Lions coming away from a big statement win. They needed that win as well. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously the uh, the Colts look really good as well. So fair play to them. The Bengals um, the Bengals are, are in a position to get into the playoffs too, which is really surprising. Obviously without Joe Burrow. And um, yeah, the Steelers. <coughs> yeah, well, the Steelers were... <coughs> horrific <coughs> god yeah Steelers were absolutely horrific and um on Saturday too so <coughs> didn't really, really want to rewatch that game unfortunately um and that's a good note to end the podcast I'm sneezing and coughing everywhere um so I'll see you for our week 16 um a week 16 preview on Friday um again awesome week Christmas Games on Thursday, uh, Saturday and Sunday and Monday. So, yeah, four days of games uh, over the Christmas week, which would be awesome to see. Um, but for now, I've been Sam Morse. This has been the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast, and we'll see you in week 16. <laughs>